0: Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Accelerating Texas K-12 Education. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with Summit K-12, and we could not be more excited for today's guest. We have with us Dr. Liz Garza-Garcia. How are you doing today, Liz? I'm doing
1: awesome. How are you doing
0: today? Excellent. And I'm so excited for this conversation. Liz is the president of BEAM, which is the Bilingual ESL Educator Association of the Metroplex here in DFW. Um, I'm also here in DFW, so this is a local episode. Even though we are Zooming, um, we are in the same area. And I'm just excited for you to bring your uh, knowledge and experience as a president of BEAM um, and the Bilingual ESL community and your members to our audience um, from around the state of Texas that uh, are going to be interested in these topics that we're going to dive into and cover. So before we dive in, I would love it if you could give our audience just a little more background on yourself and on B.
1: Sure. Okay, well, um, like you mentioned, I'm Dr. Liz Garza-Garcia, recently just graduated, so that's amazing. And um, so I guess I started off in education with the goal of just becoming a high school English teacher, And uh, ended up going to Texas Women's University and met the wonderful, uh, brilliant Dr. Rudy Rodriguez, who was also a uh, professor of my mom, who was a TWU graduate. And he instilled in us very, you know, at the, at the beginning, you know, hey, if you are able to speak another language, or if you are even able to learn another language, then your mission and your goal should be to educate others who can. And so from the get go, um, even though English was my first language, um, I realized I could understand a lot of Spanish. So he, he uh, strengthened me and my mom that we, if we could understand it, then we can learn to speak it. So from TWU, ended up graduating, became a bilingual teacher, went straight to get my master's at Southern Methodist University, where I met the great Dr. William uh, Pulte, who kept telling me, Liz, you know what, how you, you know, your name would sound so much better if it's a doctor in front of it? And <laughs> I believed him. I was crazy enough to believe it. And was able to serve as a bilingual teacher um, in Mesquite ISD, in Dallas ISD. And from there went to be an instructional coach that decided, yep, yeah, I guess it was time to become a doctor. And uh, did my doctoral journey at Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, recently graduated this past December. And I am proud to be um, at serving as a data analysis and reporting coordinator for Garland ISD. And um, really, that's just, you know, in a nutshell about me. Through my journey of becoming who I am today, um, I couldn't have done it without BEAM. Um, I learned about BEAM, you know, how the kids say it nowadays back in the 1900s. So <laughs> but I started out in BEAM um, as a young undergrad, helping as an undergrad student. I was a Bessel member, which is the um, bilingual um, education student organization. So these are pre-service undergrad uh, students who um, know that their path is to become bilingual and ESL educators, and so they. Uh, so this organization is built within the universities that have teacher preparation programs. And I was able to be a part of Bessel. That's you know how we say it. And so being a part of Bessel means you're a part of BEAM. And so I was able to help in many of the symposiums. So I got to know what BEAM was about and what it was like and basically just grew up in BEAM. From becoming a Bessel student, became a professional member um, as a teacher, started presenting some of the stuff I was doing in the classroom. I think my very first presentation that I did at BEAM was everything they don't teach you. The Struggles of a First-Year Teacher. And um, that was my very first presentation at BEAM. And uh, I was blessed to be able to do that. And I think I did that back in like 2004. And so since then, I've always been a part of BEAM, whether it has been in the planning committees or just showing up at the the conference and then telling me, hey, Liz, can you do this? (laughs) To even attending and um, then moving on to becoming part of the executive board. And now that I've moved, I think I've had almost every position on the executive board. And now I get to be president. It's been something I've dreamed of. I, when I was in Bessel, um, as a Bessel member, I, I remember seeing the president at the time who was um, Tony Garza. She was the president at the time. And um, I was like, ooh, I want to be just like her when I glow up. And so now to be able to do that to the point where, you know, Tony, if she's watching, she, I refer to her as my wizard. And so um, it's a blessing to be able to be in the footsteps of many of these strong giants that helped to pave the way so that now I can be here as the president of BEAM.
0: And you are the expert. You have uh, experienced it all uh, with BEAM and as a bilingual educator and now administrator. Um, For those uh, listening around the state that are not from BFW, Give us just a brief history of BEAM and BEAM's relationship with TABE, the Texas Association of Bilingual Educators, which uh, more familiar uh, around the state probably. Uh, Talk a little bit about that connection.
1: Okay, yeah. So if anybody ever wanted to go visit our website, um, www.beamdfw.org, on our homepage, you can scroll and see the birth of BEAM. It's our story um, as it has been rewritten uh, by Dr. Uh, Rudy Rodriguez. And the great thing about BEAM is, um, you know, it started with a group of leaders, um, whether at the universities or the districts. They were both together realizing the inequities that a lot of our students who come from a background that's not an English-speaking background were facing in the education systems from K to um, college. With them being able to see that, they started this this um, push for quality professional development for practicing teachers, and quality and quality teacher preparation for future teachers in the early seventies and eighties. And so these um, individuals uh, really started to look at, you know, what's going to help the DFW area. Most of those people came from the university, um, Texas Women's University, UNT, um, University of Texas at Arlington, and and SMU. And so these were, you know, where our, our, our founding fathers were coming from. Not to mention, they were also the the leaders in the Dallas um, ISD and Fort Worth ISD, so the two biggest districts um, uh, there. And what they what happened was the very first um, Texas Association for Bilingual Education Conference was actually held in the northern part of Texas um, at Texas Women's University in Denton back in 76, 1976. And so, you know, that's the Thabe conference. But when you look at where the region was, that's, you know, how being began to get their involvement um, with an organization at the state level. And so that was the very first conference, or close to the very first conference back in 1976. And um, then there was just a a push for an understanding that there needed to be more accessibility for this type of professional development, Um, not only for practicing teachers, but also for, for those who were looking to become teachers. And not only that, the leaders that lead these teachers, there needed to be more accessibility in the North Texas region. And so with that, you're talking, um, there was another conference held and it was at the TWU Parkland um, campus. And uh, this was probably back uh, somewhere in the eighties maybe. And um, they were able to hold conferences like this where they brought in representatives um, from, you know, Fort Worth, Dallas, you know, everywhere because they just realized the importance that was needed for our students. So really how it really worked was just they just really got together. These these individuals, these, you know, just saw a need. And with that, you're talking being started to become more, I guess, marinated to be in creation. And so um, what happened was there were two separate organizations developed, one housed in Dallas and one in Fort Worth. But what was understood was that, you know, we're stronger in numbers, and if we keep separate we're not as strong. And so what happened was the two basically merged Dallas and Fort Worth merged where we became the Metroplex so around the 90s was when beam actually came to be and it was it changed from being just the Dallas Association of Bilingual Education or the Fort Worth Association to now becoming the Bilingual ESL Education Association of the Metroplex so we serve the All of DFW area, we have found that because of our strengths and number um, that spans within Regions 10 and 11, that we actually have pockets of people who are part of our membership in Regions 8 and Regions 9. So we're blessed to be able to have those people as part of
0: us too. That's amazing uh, to reach that number of members. And now we'll transition since you're clearly a thought leader in this space and you're working with these uh, members every week. Let's fast forward to today in this last uh, 18 to 20 months of the pandemic. What have been the major challenges uh, that your members have faced in their roles? And where is the trend going from, from where we were maybe last year to where we are this year moving forward?
1: You know, in the beginning, I think everybody—not only you know those of us that were in um, or that served just one um, special population—all um, of us faced that our students were facing the inequity when it came to technology accessibility. So I know at least with those that are members of our organization, they you know found a way to create videos for parents for for students to be able to do small little things like troubleshooting. Many people don't you know when a student's main access to to the internet is on their on their phone. You know um, it's a big difference when it's on a Chromebook or or a desktop, and they have to troubleshoot. Uh, clearing cache a browser, you know, most of the time uh, students usually access that stuff at school, but somebody else took care of that part. Um, so a lot of our students, when they're at home, they didn't know how to do that. And we, they would probably get a response from a technology person saying to clear and cache your browser. What does clear and cache your browser actually mean? What's a browser? Um, so little things like that. You, um, I saw a plethora of videos um, in a language that wasn't English come out from a lot of our members, creating these small little videos so that our parents and our families were able to do um, the very basic things. Not only that, the resources that have begun to come out—we've always seen inequity in um, the resources that are provided to our emergent bilingual students um, in the country, not just in the state of Texas. There's always a uh, there's always a lot more instructional materials in English than any other language, and so you've seen this ability where these. Some teachers, some administrators, they are meeting the challenge and creating these materials that are needed, that are in a language that's not English. So it's amazing to see how how a lot of our our members, our our communities have pulled together to just do great things. Um, How I say it, to do what's good and what's right. Um, That's not always the easiest thing to do. Um, But, you know, when you're doing what's good and what's right, there's not really much to stop you.
0: I love uh, that answer, Uh, but now I want to pivot a little bit from the challenge of the the students um, and even the teachers to the challenges and the changes that we've all felt through the pandemic in technology and how we learn, not only students, but as teachers and professional development. It seems like there's a lot of uh, room for continued improvement and uh, transformation. So what are you doing to help support that uh, teacher preparation reform? that has probably been needed for a while and is now hopefully more of a reality, unfortunately by necessity of the pandemic and everyone going online. Uh, but give us uh, some good news on that front. What What's being done right now through your organization for uh, teacher preparation reform?
1: That's a great question. So at least with BEAM, um, our motto is to um, educate, collaborate and advocate. And one of those big things that, um, you know, again, those are our three main goals. And so with advocating, we what we try to do is just really inform our membership of what's going on. Um, because we're again, the pandemic has thrown us, those of us in, in the education field, not only you know a left and a right, but an up and a down and an inside out, right? So now, with the challenges we were already facing before COVID, of not being informed of everything that's going on um, with teacher reform and with um, teacher preparation and testing, now we're dealing with everything COVID throws at us, and still not being told. Everything, and so we um, try to keep a great um, open lines of communication with our, our folks, our members um, at the um, educate at the higher education uh, sector because. They're the ones who really get into the nitty gritty of um, understanding what changes are coming, which changes are good, which ones are going to benefit teachers and which ones can hurt or prolong the completion of teacher preparation programs. And so we're just blessed to be able to have members who stay active even after retirement. Um, stay active um, within our organization and inform us and put us in contact with those we need to be informed with. I can't tell you how many emails I get. Hey, Liz, there's this person who you need to talk to about this. I CC'd them on this email, they should be calling you. I gave them your cell number. And so um, I'm talking to these people and seeing what what's going on, hearing what how what they're going to present to ESPEC, the State Certification um, Education Board, um, and seeing things like that so that we can be informed And we can tell our membership, not only that, they give us the resources and provide us the resources or even tell us the idea that we need to think about um, as far as creating the resources for our membership so that if it needs to be an email that needs to be sent to a representative or a phone call that needs to be made to a representative, um, anything to that nature, Uh, we basically try to provide that resource to our members so that it's, it's not so much... Do you figure it out how you're going to help make the change? No, this is what we need to start the change.
0: I love that. And, and since you've brought up educate, collaborate, and advocate, talk to us a little bit more about um, the collaboration in uh, your group.
1: Love it. So... Um, BEAM is uh, one of the affiliates of the Texas Association of Bilingual uh, Bilingual Education. So we are one of the largest of all the affiliates um, for TABE. And so as as, uh, TABE has always done a great job at keeping us communicated with one another. So those of us who are um, on the executive boards of all of our affiliates, we get to meet annually you know, so far, it's usually been virtually, of course, with pandemic, but even prior to the pandemic, we've been meeting virtually because it is it is an easier access to each other. Um, without having to worry about, you know, traveling or or, um, cost to travel, anything like that. So we get to meet annually to discuss what are the things we're doing in our affiliate. So we have that connection to each other. So whatever might be working great down um, in Region 1 might work wonderfully up here in Regions 10 and 11. We wouldn't know that if we didn't have those strong um, lines of communication open. So it's a great thing that to be a part of being because you're automatically a member of Best of um, FABIC, excuse me. And so it gets you into this huge network that allows you to be more than, a, it's just, people just say, it's it's just a great network. But. You make friendships, you make long standing, strong relationships with people. That if you have a question, you can just send an email, you can send a text, you can uh, make a phone call. And um, it just has this uh, community strength um, within the whole network. So it's, it's a great thing that Beam is, if, when you're a member of Beam, you become part of that strong network.
0: I love it. And finally, educate, which uh, we'll talk about the symposium coming up. But before we dive into that and, and uh, all things symposium, any other ongoing um, efforts you know, throughout the year? What are all the ways that you educate and let's end with the symposium?
1: Awesome. So I guess we start off. Um, we have our membership drive that happens in the fall. Um, for those that aren't able to attend symposium, um, we put on a fall membership drive. So this allows people to um, attend a um, evening PD. So their uh, their contribution pays for their membership to the organization, not only at the region level, but also to the state level. And then they um, get to attend a PD. The last um, three that we've done, I guess the last one uh, the um, speaker was Dr. Iris Trevino down from the valley. And if you guys haven't seen her, like, she's amazing. I love her. She's one of my comadres and I, I just love her. And so she was able to present to us a PD on social emotional learning um, from the teacher side and really just helping teachers to cope with what's going on. We're very focused on what we Teachers focus only on their students when they're in the classroom. That's all they focus on. It would not surprise me if, you know, teachers uh, I, I, you've seen probably on the news, teachers on in the hospital still teaching virtually and they're at the hospital. But this is just our mentality. This is how we think and how we work. And um, to us, this is just the calling. This is what we do, but we don't focus on ourselves. And so she brought in this wonderful opportunity for us to, to take that time to focus on ourselves, because if we aren't well, we're not going to be well to teach others. So it was a wonderful um, PD that she provided that everyone got to be a part of, and we were blessed to be able to have her. The year before that, I believe we had um, Dr. Jose Medina, who's also amazing, and um, for the life of me, I can't remember his um, training, Um, but I know what we needed at the time was just a more uplifting, to get the teachers ready, because this was going to be the first school year, in effect. You know, a couple months after COVID, it wasn't even a whole year. So we needed somebody to to uplift them, let them know, go in strong, um, and you know, keep doing what you have to do. So he brought that enthusiasm, that that encouragement that our our membership needed to hear. It wasn't just. Um, just our teachers us administrators needed to hear it too because <laughs> it, it's it's scary so it was just great to be able to have that and we meet the needs of of our of our, of our audience just by hearing them um, through meetings through emails through the communication we have on social media with all of our membership too through our facebook page and our twitter page and everything we're able to hear what's going on and decipher what what do they need next to keep to, to keep paving the way. So I think that's a, a big thing we do in the fall. Um, And then throughout the year, we have general meetings that we provide also a um, professional development piece to it. So whether they're learning about the um, advocacy piece or whether they're learning a new classroom strategy, um, they're able to provide that. During COVID, we've had our meetings virtually. We just had our very first face-to-face general meeting. We haven't had one of those in 18 months. So it was great to be able to have that. And um, we had um, a social, um, a professional development with that. It was just amazing to be able to, to be with one another. That was the biggest thing to be in a room with like-minded people. Um, we haven't seen in 18 months, at least it was, it, it was great to have that. Cause you just, you, you needed that reju- reju- rejuvenation and you get that from one another when you're with beam. So we get to do that throughout the year. And then, of course, um, every spring we have our symposium. And I say every spring because since the 90s, Beam has not ever not had a symposium. So people are going to come at me saying, no, remember we had that one. It was a it was a summit. It wasn't a symposium. You know what? It was still in the spring. Okay, we still met. It was still something. So, um, blessed to be able to do that this year will be, um, in Denton. Um, so we're blessed that our friends at Denton ISD will be our host this year. And that will be on April the 2nd. And, um, we already have everything up on our website. I think I've already shared that, but it's www.beamdfw.org. You can click on the symposium tab and you'll be able to get all the information. And for those of you who are members, um, Remember, we have all of our competitions that are currently going on. So we provide a student essay competition that's open to students in grades three through 12. And students, the students who win those um, grade levels um, get a cash prize that can go toward, you know, fund and go for towards school or supplies, whatever that student may need. Um, We also have our scholarships. So those are for high school student, high school graduate, um, seniors, uh, for undergraduates and for graduate level students. So we're always happy to give back. And not only that, every year we identify the bilingual teacher of the year and the ESL secondary teacher of the year. Uh, the winners of those two get to transition to compete at the state level. Um, so beam has been doing that for years. We've been just so proud to be able to continue that tradition that was started so long ago and not to mention to to be able to add more and more scholarships you're talking once upon a time being could only give one scholarship and now five years ago we started the student essay contest and now we're we give away anywhere between four and five scholarships a year so we're just so happy that we've We've continued this strong tradition and evolved and made it what it is today.
0: That's amazing. And to dive just a little deeper, tell us about the theme of this year's conference and the the speakers coming in or the topics that are going to be the focus um, for this uh, April.
1: Great. So our theme this year is Juntos, reimagining our future. And you know. W- the, the board, we, we really looked at this and tried to figure out like what's going to be the next thing. This is going to be our very first face-to-face symposium that we've had um, in two years. Um, and so we decided, yes, we're going to keep with the hybrid because um, we know that number one, there's a market out there for it. Number two, we have a lot of friends who, you know, it's better for them to be home and and participate in the symposium and they don't want to miss out. So we wanted to be able to give them that venue. So um, we will have the hybrid experience and we're excited to bring on our keynote speaker who is going to be Dr. Jenna Echevarria. So we're excited to have her and what she's going um, to give to our teachers, our audience as as in this symposium we um don't like to do all of our featured stuff just yet we like to announce those little by little as little teasers so i'm gonna keep those under the hush hush but we are currently also um looking for those great presenters out there um so we're calling for proposals right now um the deadline for that would be february the 15th i believe and so if anyone um has something great to share the wonderful things you're doing in the classroom the wonderful things you're doing to lead your, your teachers, your schools, your districts, um, the wonderful things you're doing to engage parents during this time. We, we want to hear about it. So please consider um, submitting a proposal uh, for being this year. We'd love to see you there.
0: Perfect. And do uh, proposals have to come just from the Metroplex or can they come from anywhere?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So we don't Cap our um, memberships at just the region, at just our um, regions ten and eleven, and then the the bordering ones. No, when we were, if if no one knew, we were the very first um, organization to have a online symposium. That was completely catered to the bilingual ESL educator community. Um, we were the very first ones. So in this in the state of Texas, nobody can say they did, we did it first. And it was amazing that because we were the first ones to launch something like that, we got members who weren't even in the state. We got members in California, in, um, in Washington, in, in several different other states, because we um, were able to just launch something that no one was doing. And so, um, with that, yeah. If you have something great you're, that's happening where you are, it may not be in um, the Dallas Fort Worth area. It could be in um, another uh, another city in Texas. It could be in another state, or even another country. If it's if it's it passes the um, peer reviewed for the proposals and it gets accepted, we want to know what's going on. You know, we like to think you know our state only knows what they're doing, and of course, we like to think Dallas and Fort Worth are the only ones that are great at what. They're doing, but that's not to say we can't keep learning. So yes, definitely. If um, if you want to propose, and you are not in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you are not limited to. Um, we we don't limit our presentations to just the Dallas-Fort Worth area.
0: And speaking of being an innovator um, in uh, all that you do, uh, you're also going to be launching a new podcast or a mini podcast series uh, coming up, um, and you'll be serving as the host. Uh, tell us why you're doing that and what kind of guests are you going to have on a topics are you're going to talk about in your new podcast series.
1: Awesome. So really excited to be given the opportunity to do it, number one. So thank you uh, so much for the platform to be able to do something like this. And really what we're looking at is just, you know, what are the great things that the members of BEAM are doing to, for lack of better words, change the world. And how um, being a part of BEAM helps in, that, in doing so. Not only that, we hope that it will bring on more, a peak more interest in the organization. We know that there are tons and tons of schools and districts that um, serve the bilingual ESL community. But not everybody knows that we exist and they should. It's one thing I, I, I can speak for my own experience. I was that one bilingual teacher at that one school. And I thought I was in an island all by myself for at least three years, my first three years um, of teaching. And I, if, if it wasn't for BEAM, I would not have known what to do. Um, so I was just glad I, could, I had people to rely on. But I know that there are others who are like me that don't know about BEAM. And um, I don't want them I don't want any any bilingual or ESL teacher um, or any teacher that serves students who come from a, a a background that's not an English background. I don't want any teacher or leader or administrator um, to not have the resources and network and community that they need to lean on to be able to uh, meet the needs of our emerging bilingual students.
0: And we are very excited to help um, get that off the ground with you because we know that uh, the content you're going to be talking about in uh, the Metroplex is very applicable throughout the state um, to all of the bilingual uh, and ESL teachers and all the administrators um, that work so hard every day for these EP's. Um, that uh, they're going to benefit from that as well. So thank you in advance for putting in the time and the effort to uh, to work on uh, this new podcast that the uh, Metroplex will certainly benefit from and hopefully the rest of the state. Um, a bonus question. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your dissertation?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm always happy to talk about that. <laughs> Okay, so my um, dissertation title was um, "Effective Feedback from Evaluators: The Perceptions from Elementary Bilingual Teachers," and really, what I wanted to focus on um, was just the, perce- the the perceptions that bilingual teachers may have that concerned or surrounded um, feedback when it came to specifically looking at Spanish instruction. And the findings from my uh, dissertation um, showed that many of our at least, let me phrase that, the participants who participated in my study, um, they really felt that they don't get the same amount of um observation time in Spanish instruction as they do when they're teaching English instruction. Um, And so that was always something um, as a bilingual, as a practicing bilingual teacher, I noticed a lot uh, when I was in the classroom. And um, I always, you know, with Spanish being my second language, I always wanted that extra, tell me how I am in Spanish, because I want to be 110% in Spanish, just like I am in English. Um, But when you had, when I had an administrator that didn't speak Spanish, I noticed it too, which is what piqued my interest about it. And so it was great to be able to to do something I was passionate about and um, to have that. The other thing that was really interesting to me was that just the the teachers that participated in in my study, it it was amazing how a lot of them really focused on uh, feedback being effective if their administrator knew anything about second language acquisition. And so it was just like, wow, they know it's a bilingual classroom. They know the focus is um, second language acquisition. They, they know this teacher probably knows everything they possibly can in, in second language acquisition theory, um, but they're coming in and offering um, a specific classroom instruction advice that's that specifically only looks at behavior or uh, classroom management um, or looks at um, just the materials being used, but never focused on any strategies or um, or specificity on the language uh, that was being used in the classroom. So, what academic language was being used? What um, level of, of of words were being used when asking students questions? So, a lot of the teachers really kept reiterating that part like they don't know what I'm saying they don't um when they I mean they I meant their administrators and I was like wow that's I've been out of the classroom at least nine years and it's amazing that uh, that's how exactly how I felt when I was in the classroom that's exactly how I felt and to know it's it was still happening I was like wow so um uh, that was mine uh, it took me a while um but and I will tell you the great thing about me finishing and, and from start to finish in the beginning when I proposed one of my committee chairs told me why is this a big deal like I, I don't know I mean you 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 did a good proposal we'll let you go through with it it still just doesn't seem like it has that that um that meat that we need and I was like I'll show you and so when I came back with my findings, that very same committee member said, wow, Liz, this is going to be a movement. This is crazy. And I was like, you see?
0: There you have it.
1: So yeah. But thank you for asking. That's my favorite thing. So.
0: Well, and, and you talked about the world-changing impact that your members have. Uh, I think it's certainly worth noting that that's world-changing impact as well, and hopefully just the beginning of this movement and it uh, sounds like something maybe for a full uh, podcast episode in the future um, that will keep uh, spreading the word throughout Texas and, and beyond, I think would be amazing. Awesome. Um, we are down to our last question. Uh, we always like to end the show with a half glass full story, um, whether that's of um, your members or your organization um, as a whole, um, moving you know from the pandemic to hopefully towards a post pandemic and a brighter future. Um, give us your best story of hope as we wrap up our time today.
1: Okay, and that's definitely going to be around being um, the uh, resiliency. I think everyone's resiliency was tested and has been tested throughout this whole situation with COVID. Um, But beam uh, back in 2020 was supposed to have their um, face-to-face conference um, the first week of April. That's just, you know, tradition, what we do first week of April. Well, everything shut down spring break, which was March, which was, you know, mid-March. You're talking that left us 11 days to change the, face-to-face 100 100 face-to-face um conference to a 100 percent online um, and the organization we did it in 11 days um, the president at the time was um uh Tammy Sanchez who's at Grand Prairie ISD um she was like um everybody shutting down we that's no is not an answer we're moving forward and so we completely transitioned everything and to do it in, in, in 11 days was crazy um, to be able to have something like that. And we were able to do it, it just showed, you know, um, when COVID is going to throw challenges at us and the worst thing we can do um, as, as an organization, as, as, as advocates, is to just let it. And to stay silent and to just let it take take us down, um, we need to be strong. We need to be resilient, and we need to show our strength through it. Um, so that's every being the president um, of Beam, always remembering that that those eleven days. Yeah, it was stressful. <laughs> I don't think we slept those eleven days. uh Maybe uh, you know uh, an hour before we had to be online so that our eyes wouldn't have the bags <laughs> underneath it so bad. Um, but we came together and um, we did what we had to do um, to host the very first online uh, org, um, conference that, compl- that was completely geared toward the bilingual ESL community in the North Texas area to um, not only that, to help the uh, state association host their online um their 100% online conference, which was also amazing. And I, and I was blessed to be able to be a co-chair for that. So that was just amazing to be able to be the pioneer, to be a part of the team that was the pioneer um, for that. It just keeps showing that, you know, BEAM started out as just a couple of people having coffee, talking about, you know, what can we do to change um, the inequities to what it is now, being the pioneers of, of hosting an online um, uh, conference to also being the first ones to do a hybrid conference um, back in 2021, um, and then now you know we're bringing back a regular face to face along with a hybrid option. Um, so it's just really, I'm proud to be a part of this organization. I'm, I'm I, I think, pride is just an understatement about it. So my, my thing of hope is join us you you won't
0: need hope. You've got it. So. And, and it's an amazing reflection of your organization in TABE uh, and all the affiliates and all the bilingual and ESL teachers that they are so resilient. They don't give up because they their students need them. Um, and during the pandemic more than ever. And so thank you for your work and for all the the educators that work with the, the EBS. Um, they couldn't have seen the um, the minimize uh, minimization of learning loss, or in a lot of cases, even gains during the pandemic without the hard work, the relationship building, the continued PD, uh, and all the pivoting that we had to do. So keep up the great work. Uh, thank you so much for joining this episode. I learned a lot. Hopefully our audience uh, learned a lot as well. And uh, we'll look forward to future episodes with your uh, show coming up uh, in the coming weeks and months. Um, So, again, Dr. Liz Garza-Garcia, President of BEAM, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And to our audience, thank you again for joining uh, the Accelerating Texas K-12 Education Podcast. Uh, Be sure to check out our podcast page on our website, as well as uh, listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, and all the places where you find your audio podcast. Join us again next week for another episode, and always, always keep learning.